So, yeah, uh, very thankful for the Holy Spirit. And uh, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, I was thinking about it. I don't know why. I've just been thinking about it for the past few weeks a lot. And um, I was going to a Southern Baptist church. And uh, it was a great church. It still is a really good church. And um, pastor was a was a great man of God. And, uh, you know, he's he's the one that really helped me. Uh, discern the will of God in my life concerning going into ministry. And, you know, I asked him uh, several times, like, how do you know if you're called into the ministry? And he said, you know, really, if you can be satisfied doing anything else, you're probably not called. So, like, if you can have, like, a heart satisfaction. I've done a lot of different things, a lot of really fun things, a lot of amazing uh, different jobs and positions. And... uh that I really enjoyed and would still enjoy. And even the job I'm doing right now, I enjoy. Besides uh, the ministry that we're doing here. But none of that can really like fully satisfy. You've got something in your heart that's like turning and churning and, you know, kind of like a tug and a pull. And uh, there's other things that you could try to put in that place. But nothing else could really satisfy. And that's the condition that we find the world without Jesus, and sometimes even Christians that have Jesus. Because uh, we're born again when uh, we come to the kingdom of God. And, you know, it's probably a good time to do our weekly confession. We're born again. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We talked last week. Uh, we actually just preached on that and talked about behold, all things have become new. Sometimes you can be born again and you stop right there. And it's one of the things as a pastor that really uh, disturb is maybe too strong of a word, but can a little... Uh, upset your heart is when you see someone who was lost find Jesus Christ. They get born again. They're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. And then the people that are praying with them or for them uh, don't connect them with a local body, with a church. And that's not just because you're a pastor and you're like, oh, I just want more people in my church. No, you've got somebody that's like a newborn baby that doesn't really know how to feed themselves, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know where to go, doesn't know how to change their diaper. And you're just kind of leaving them to die. So kind of wither on the vine, so to speak. Uh, Because Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide, if you live, if you find your life expression in me, uh, then you'll live. And so if you're born again and you're not connected, staying connected with Christ, you're not living in him, out of him, you're not going to have an abundant life. So you look at the world and then sometimes Christians and that... um, that new life that we have access to, we're not uh, living in, we're not partaking of. So it's, it's almost as if we don't. The best thing about that is at least you go to heaven, uh, but you kind of experience hell while you're here. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance, more abundantly. Yes. He didn't say, I have come that you might have uh, eternal life when you get to heaven and have it in abundance. 
He didn't add when you get to heaven. Sometimes we, um, in our reasoning, add when you get to heaven. Because why? Well, I'm born again. I just became a Christian. Everything's going to go perfect for me now. Everything's, you know, going to fall off, fall on me like a ripe peach off a tree. You know, people, Brother Hagin said, like, ripe cherries off a tree and lived in Michigan for a long time. And I never saw ripe cherries just, like, coming off a tree like that. But I had been picking peaches before. And I'm picking peaches. And you pick it and it just falls right into your hand. And you put it in your mouth. And the juice is just going all over you. And it tastes so good. <laughs> and then while you're doing that, another one is so ripe it just falls off the tree. It just falls off the tree. It's like if you kind of bump it, it just falls off the tree. So we get the mentality of, I'm born again now. So everything's just going to be easy. Everything's going to come. No problem whatsoever. And then um, you wake up the next morning. <laughs> you find out that your body is still tired. <laughs> that your mind is not renewed. And that everything isn't perfect. Uh, but you know that your destination is perfect. Well, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Life now. So when you read in the Gospel of John, it talks about eternal life. That's really the Greek word zoe. Actually, it's aeonius zoe. Uh, so eternal life. Eternal has more to do with the quality of life than the length of life. Because we are all going to live, when, when you are born into the world, uh, you're a spirit being. And because of Adam's sin, we're a fallen spirit being. Um, so we're not a new creature until we receive Jesus Christ. But I have news for you. If you're not a Christian, you're going to live forever. If you're a Christian, you're going to live forever. So you're going to live forever. It's just a matter of where you're going to live forever at. And really, for those of us that are Christians, it's really a matter of where are the people that we see and talk to day in and day out going to spend eternity. Because the Bible says that this life is like a fleeting mist. But God is so good that even in this life, he redeemed us from sickness, from disease, from poverty. And man, I was reading yesterday, some people, it's amazing how upset religious people get about uh, Christians being financially blessed, and especially if it's a pastor. But really, if you believe that the Bible teaches that you uh, should have more than enough and that you should be healthy, like we read in the Word of God, that you may prosper and be in health, if you believe that and you tell people you believe that, uh, many religious people will attack you. Uh, because um, there's many voices in the world, none, are, none is without significance, and a lot of times the voices that we're responding to aren't the voices of the Spirit of God. Remember, um, the devil, if he were to walk in here right now, probably wouldn't walk with two red horns and a pitchfork. He would... <laughs> I was going to make a joke. <laughs> Uh, because it's recorded, I'll, I'll, I'll remove the names. But he would walk in probably very nicely dressed, like somebody is here today. And I'm not at all picking on you. I'm just saying, like, you look and you see, like, somebody that walks in, and you look very, like, nice. That's why I'm saying that. <laughs> um, but, but you see he masquerades as an angel of light. So somebody that comes in to, to our church here or your church up in Michigan... You might find like a 
people are coming in and everybody's like, oh, do you see who's here? I'm so excited about it. You know, they were telling me this and telling me that. And that's not really a litmus test of whether that person's from God or not. I hope you totally understand. I'm just, I thought you looked nice, so it's not. <laughs> um, but you may, you know, you, you notice some people walk in a room and they just look very uh, authoritative and their posture and their dress and everything. And uh, so immediately you're kind of open to, well, uh, you know, Jesus said so many times, like, you're going to take the people that are dressed really nice, put them on the front row, and take the people that are dressed not so nice, and put them on the back row. Because, yeah, <laughs> the snap button shirts on the back row. So you, you have, like, God doesn't look at man's outward appearance, but he looks at our heart. Thank God. <laughs> you know, because sometimes my outward appearance isn't like I would like it to be. And um, sometimes words that come out of my mouth when I'm trying to communicate are not, uh, it's not the expression of my heart. You know, consistently the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. But that doesn't mean like if you say like, uh, Melody, you, you look really ugly. I mean, beautiful today. Like that that's the abundance of my heart. Now, if I said it every day all the time, I'd probably get smacked. And, you know, maybe I would be thinking that. I'm not. Uh, but God looks at your heart. So what was your heart? You know, I was talking to one of our children this week about that because they had made a mistake and um, said something that they didn't mean to say legitimately and just all distraught, like, oh, I'm, I'm so bad, and why did I do this, and why did I do that? Isn't that funny? Like, my kids, the oldest one is eight, and the youngest is two. He thinks he's three, but he's two. And um, he's two going on five. And uh, the same attacks that you may have come against you your little kids will have coming against them. Like, oh, I'm stupid, or I don't measure up, or, you know, the devil is not really creative. He has the same type of things. So realize we're studying about the life of God and a believer. We're studying about the ministry that Jesus began, that we continue that same ministry, and that we have the same tools. We have the same anointing. So Jesus was in the River Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and that's launched his ministry. And then Jesus, when, before he went up to heaven, he said, hey, most important thing, like, don't do anything to you be endued with power from on high. Uh, then you'll be witnesses unto me. Then you'll have power. And uh, then you'll be able to do it. So if I can get you to believe that, what's going to happen? What, what is uh, faith or believing? What happens when you believe something or you have faith in something? You do it. You act on it. Um. So if I can get you to believe that, if God can get you to believe that, if the Word of God can get you to believe that, then you're going to begin doing it. Well, we'll go to that in a second. If the, conversely, if the devil can get you to believe, you know what, I understand. You know, the devil, the, it's funny. Um, God will work with you wherever you're at, and he'll help you grow. Uh, the devil will work with you wherever you're at, and he'll help you shrink. Okay? So you may say, well, yeah, I know it says that, but you know what? Jesus didn't sin. You have. And in case you forgot, let me remind you. Let me remind you uh, of your thinking. Let me remind you of what you have done in the past. Uh, let me bring a picture for you. And so the devil, 
It doesn't really have any power over us. When you're a Christian, Christ set us free from all the power of the enemy, all the power of the devil. But um, if we give him access, then he can work in our lives. Why? Because when you're born again, it's, you're restored back to how it was before the fall. So you're back in charge. You have dominion. I have dominion. So Adam had so much dominion over the work of God's hands that he could actually transfer it to the devil. Again, like a study in the authority of God is always amazing to me as a leader because you think, uh, okay, I'm going to delegate this authority to, to you and to you and to you. I'm going to give you certain areas. Um, but really, I'm going to kind of pay attention because if you start going off the deep end on it, I'm taking it back. Well, I mean, Adam really went off the deep end because God's greatest enemy, the devil, ended up in charge of the whole earth and what's happening in the earth. Uh, but God delegated that much authority. Well, same way, when you're born again, you, we've been uh, made brand new, brought into the kingdom of God, and we've been given authority. And again, it seems like God has given us so much authority that if we don't do the work of Christ in the earth, it won't be done. Like, who's going to do it? If the Christians don't do it, if believers don't do it, who's going to do it? Um, so you realize that um, life and death, was it... Uh, um, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Not only your life and death, but other people's life and death. And that's why I wanted Evie to um, tell you guys what she was telling us this morning. Because I thought, man, that fits really well with the message. In that, uh, you know, she was just uh, praising the Lord. And uh, we had left late this morning. And I don't like to be late. And so I was like, oh, I can't believe we're late. And what's going on? And Okay, like, praise the Lord, you know, like, just, like, trying to push through, like, oh, <sighs> like, like, bad timing, right? And Evie said, remember, Daddy, like, uh, you know, well, she didn't say Acts 16, but, you know, Paul and Silas, you know, da, da, da. And I'm like, that's right, that's right, that's good, you know? And, um, but then what really got me was when <laughs> she said, you know, and, you know, if they hadn't done that, we probably wouldn't even know about Jesus, and I was like, that's my message. That's what I'm preaching. <laughs> like, if we don't, who will? God's sitting up there with all power, all authority, all presence, everything. And with, I would say, like, all compassion. And so he has this compassion. He's moved to the core of his being to see the lost come back to him come into his family, come into his life and his nature. But he can't do anything about it. He's done everything he's already, he's already done everything he's going to do about it. So he sent Jesus Christ to redeem, um, to redeem mankind, to redeem human beings, to redeem uh, homo sapiens, to redeem us, Right? Not just you and me, but anybody that is a human. He sent Jesus Christ to redeem human flesh. He sent Jesus Christ to redeem the spirits that live in human flesh. 
He sent Jesus Christ to redeem uh, not a bear or a dog or a cat. He sent, or even an angel, angelic beings. He sent Jesus Christ to redeem mankind, men and women, boys and girls, to set us free. Because we're living down in this bondage. We're living with blinders on, the Bible says. We can't even see what's going on. That's why, you know, when you're a believer, you start to get light, more light, more light. And you think, what in the world are people thinking? Well, always remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. These people are, are blinded because the God of this world has blinded them. Because if they weren't blind, the Bible says, that they would see the glorious light of the gospel. So uh, our job is to remove the blinders. And we do that through the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ. The, the gospel is not an event that happened over 2,000 years ago, an isolated event, because God is outside of time. God is not subject to time. So the gospel, the, uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. He begins this whole process. He goes to the cross. He dies, takes on all of our sins, all of our sicknesses, uh, all of our diseases, all of our weaknesses, all of our fears, all of our negative emotions. Um, He takes all of this on himself freely, and then he freely gave up his life. And then he goes to hell, and he conquered the devil and uh, all of his demons, all of his power. Uh, and, you know, then kind of paraded him around, made a fool of him, made a public spectacle of him. One translation, I think, is, is it your favorite that says he took him around naked, you know, marched him around naked? The message is your favorite? Oh, that's the message. And, um, but anyhow, he paraded him and said, look, you know, uh, he's defeated. But he did that for you and for me. And that... Uh, gospel, that message has power. Like, that's what has power. We just want to be like, uh, you know, let me tell you about the Holy Ghost, you know, because you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this life-transforming power. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came to make us new creatures, to redeem us and make us a vessel that his spirit could come and live inside of and express himself through. That the spirit could say, Keith, I'm coming inside of you. And if you let me, I'm going to speak through you. If you let me, I'm going to touch people through you. If you let me, I'm going to give financially to people through you. If you let me, I'm going to turn the world upside down through you and you and you and you and me and all of the people listening. Um, But that's the gospel. And that event is visited anytime you want to visit it. It's outside of time. So you, the preaching of the gospel, uh, we're going to talk about this probably more next week, but the preaching of the gospel uh, contains all of the same power that the event contained. In other words, Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God, by the spirit of God, the power of God. It was the most uh, power that had ever been displayed in the raising from the dead of Christ. And when you... Uh, talk about that event, when you speak that event, 
that same power is present when you speak that. So we're talking about that event right now. If you have uh, a sickness in your body, a disease in your body, if you're struggling financially, whatever you're struggling with, the power of God is present to make a change in that situation right now. And so uh, I wish I could always be conscious of that. When the gospel is preached, we can't just sit there and be like, I've heard this before, or, you know, this is really good, I'm enjoying this, da da da. The gospel was never meant to be like, okay, oh, all right, yep, now I know like five more steps to faith. Oh, now I know like the seven steps of miracle life. Now I know what I can do with this or I can do with that. The gospel was always meant to be living and alive. Salvation faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And today is the day of salvation. Well, salvation, again, at the church world, we've like accidentally taken salvation and a lot of other very powerful words and just said, okay, that's just you're born again. Meaning uh, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Next. Who's next in line? Man, I've watched people uh, that were not um, born again, get born again and get healed. Because salvation includes healing. Salvation, uh, preservation, soundness, wholeness. So when you are born again, you have access to all the power of God, to everything that um, is contained in redemption. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that blood reaches every part of your arena. You know, because I say like every part of your being, of course it reads every, every part of your being, your spirit, your soul, your body. The blood of Jesus is effective for that. But the blood of Jesus, my arena is like my job, the people I come in contact with, my travels, my family, not only myself, but I want to take the gospel because Jesus took the gospel for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have zoe the life and the nature of God, that whoever believes in him would become just like God. Whoever believes in him would have the same nature as God. Whoever believes in him, they will know them because of their love. They will know them because um, they love. You know you've passed from death to life because you love the brethren. You receive the life and the nature of God when you're born again. And so if you have the life and the nature of God, like, you know, my children... Uh, in different areas act just like me. They have my nature, right? Well, we have the nature of God. We have the nature of God inside of us. You have to let him live. You have to let the life of God live in you. I have to let the life of God live in me and through me. So that means that I'm not going to be dominated by the flesh anymore. So my flesh may want to like, and it does sometimes, tell you off. I'm not talking about you all. Well, let's just be honest. My wife's sitting there, of course. (laughs) You know, there's no reason to like pretend like we're like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Infallible. (laughs) Jesus was infallible. We are not infallible. Uh, We've all said things that we, uh, oh, why'd I say that? (laughs) You know, and um, but we have the life and the nature of God. We have to let that life dominate us. Uh, you know, we'll let uh, worry dominate us. 
Like, what are we going to do now? How is this going to happen? Or, you know, or like, you know, I really want to have my own house. So like, when am I going to get this house? You know, like that, that I don't have to like, I can paint the wall if I want to paint the wall. I can take the wall out if I want to take the wall out. Uh, like, I want to have dominion. You know, I'm made for dominion. I want to like, you know, if I want to punch a hole, not, not in anger, I don't do that at all. But if I want to like put a hole in the wall because I want to see through to the kitchen, I want to be able to put a hole through the wall. Um, so, uh, I don't know how I got off on that. But you want to let the life of God dominate you. Um, it's like, Lord, I pray that we would uh, get an understanding of that, more light on your nature, your life in us. Because uh, you ever have like things that are stirring in your heart and your spirit man's like doing flips, but your head is like, I'm not quite getting it. I'm not quite getting it. But I can tell that's like amazing. Uh, but you've got the life of God himself on the inside of you. And I have the life of God himself on the inside of me. And I'm like, you know, I think, well, man, I'm not really doing that much with it. <laughs> I should be, right? We could all do more. And so that's our goal is to really, we don't want to be dominated by who we are. I mean, we're all uh, too well acquainted with who we are and our own, own abilities. <laughs> and for most of it, us, it doesn't go that far. And for those of us that feel like it goes pretty far, well, you know, that kind of tells you something as well. <laughs> so you're not as amazing as what you may think you are. <laughs> but in Christ... You look at yourself in Christ. Man, look at that picture. Look at who you are. The way you see who you are in Christ is you look in the, into the mirror of the word of God. The perfect law of liberty. Liberty. Perfect law of liberty. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh. Uh. Wow, praise God. So you, um, you look into the mirror of the word, you know, and you look in a natural mirror and you may see like imperfections and problems and why do I look like that? And is it this light? Like, <laughs> maybe it's this hotel, we, I travel a lot, so maybe it's this hotel room light, but why do I, I don't think, you know. Lord, are we going to look like hopefully we're 23 when we're in heaven? Uh, but you look into the word of God, it's perfect. Perfect law. Like we look in a natural mirror, we want to see perfection, but we don't. We really don't. Uh, but the perfect law of liberty. You look into the... Into the I don't know why that's making me laugh. It's... Uh, it's a it's a perfect you know you guys know Psalm 119 can somebody quote it for me real quick I'll give you 50 bucks oh, no, I'll give you 100 um, Psalm 119 I don't even need to turn there but uh, says that there is no end to the perfection of your word and if you study that out it actually says that you can go you know 
the scripture that he takes your sins, your mistakes, casts them in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our iniquities and our sins from us. Like so far, like, okay, go that way and then keep going that way until you reach the end, please. You will never reach the end. Okay, go that way until you reach the end. You will never reach the end. And in Psalms 119, uh, the psalmist speaks of that there is no end to the perfection of the word of God. And when you study it out, you find out it's the same thing as like you can't, if you go to the east to get to the west, you'll never get there. So, uh, you know, to us, there's ends to our perfection. You know, you may build, maybe you're a woodworker and you make this awesome bed that like you, you touch it, you get on it, it doesn't squeak, it doesn't move, it sits there, everything looks perfect. But I guarantee you there's one thing about that that's not. It reaches imperfection. And even if it were 100% perfect, exactly where you wanted it because you won't like the scratched and dented, what do you call it, antiqued, you know, hit it with a hammer. That thing is decaying. That perfection of that has an end. And, you know, we're talking about looking in a mirror Nobody gets self-conscious. But, uh, you know, you start out and you're young and your skin is all just, just like, sorry, your skin is all like amazing and tight. And as you get older, it starts to change, starts to change. And, you know, all of us are still pretty young that are in this room right now. But, uh, you know, I guarantee you, you can find imperfections in your body. And... Um, you may find like, oh, this sport or this activity, this is perfect, and like this weather is perfect. And I remember flying into Grand, uh, not Grand Rapids, but Jenison Airport up near Grand Rapids one day. It was in the evening at sunset on a cool night, and the air was so smooth, and we're flying in, and uh, I'm turning uh, the airplane on final and coming in, and it was just like, whew, like not a bump, perfect air, perfect smooth. It was like the perfect flight. But there's an end to that perfection. You know, because I didn't land perfect. No. <laughs> I probably didn't land perfect, obviously. I, I mean, I don't know if you ever think I flew. I flew perfect. Uh, but there's an end to our perfection. But there is no end to the perfection of the word of God. So when we look at the perfect law of liberty, um, we look and we start to see him as he really is. And we see ourselves as we really are in him. We start to see a, a reflection. And so as the word begins to reflect before our eyes, we begin to reflect that word before the world. So the more we look and see the word, the more people will look and see the word in us. And that word begins to take a, a more dominant place in us. And we experience more and more freedom. Remember, uh, was it John eight thirty one? 31? Um, uh, let's just turn there real quick. John chapter 8, verse 31. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. 831. Then Jesus said to those Jews uh, which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You look in that perfect law of liberty, liberty is such freedom. 
you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free or some translations say set you free. So the way, the way that you get free in the long run is through the word of God. I mean, what set us free from the power of the devil anyhow? The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld him, we saw him and he went to the cross and then he went to hell and conquered all of hell and set us free. The word did. The word wrapped in human flesh. So we want to know like God's, these are God's words and in Christ, his words were just put in human flesh. Homo sapien, did I say that earlier? Like human. Uh, the reason I try to come up with other words for that is, you know, we all get so used to hearing the regular words and like, you know, the word became flesh. Okay, yeah, let's go on. That's cool. Do you know what that is saying? That the word of God came in human flesh. And up till that point, you would see great men of God that would endeavor to manifest God in the flesh, you know, to show up, to, to be this and to be perfect, but they couldn't be. They were just counted righteous. They messed up. I mean, look at Elijah and Elisha. Uh, so Christ came as the perfect sacrifice and the perfect lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So when, when the... Jesus went in, he walked into the heavenly holy of holies, not in something that man made, but the real, true temple of God, the, the heavenly holy of, of holies, with his own blood. And he took his own blood and offered it one time for all of us, for the whole world. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's none of us that uh, deserve to be saved. There's none of us that deserve to uh, be part of God's family. That's the awesomeness of God, that the grace of God, while we were still sinners, while we were still a mess up, while we were still not good enough, Christ died for the ungodly. You know? So when we go out and tell people and talk to people, you know, we could say, are you godly? And they say, no, I'm ungodly. Oh, oh, Christ died for you. You, you, you understand, like, we kind of laugh because we're uh, Christians and we interact with a lot of Christians and you need to have your close friends need to be believers to encourage you in, in your faith. But the world really, uh, you know, as a believer that has the power of God and the spirit of God, we may struggle sometimes with feeling like we don't measure up and we're not good enough. Well, imagine not even having a connection with God. So the world really has the mentality of, uh, I'm not good enough to do that, so I might as well do whatever I want to anyhow. Because yeah. most people kind of understand when you become a Christian that you don't really uh, have the option to live the way you used to live. You, Jesus is Lord now, not Tim is Lord. Jesus, I gave Jesus lordship in my life. And um, so the condition of the world is really more that they feel like they don't measure up. You know, 2 Corinthians talks about that we are ministers, we're supposed to be ministers to go tell people that God has already made you right with him. I came here to tell you about it. All you have to do is say, 
He did. Okay, I want that. I'll take it through Jesus Christ. So, we look at the world um, differently than really what the, the world looks at themselves. And uh, it's kind of more like either I'm going to do my own thing or there's no point because I'm not good enough. And again, that's, that's learned behavior and it's also the blindness that the devil brings, thoughts of the devil, that uh, you can't do it. But Christ came, you know, the, the, let me say first, the devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you see theft, um, killing, and destruction, you know it's from the devil. The devil's somehow involved. And um, sickness is incipient death, meaning it's death in the beginning stages. So the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. So not that we're going to have just enough to, to make it or, you know, Tim's going to have just enough life for Tim. No, I have life in abundance. Jesus came and lived with this life of God, showed us how it would be if in our flesh... We had the life of God. I had the life of God. He, he, he did this. He lived this life and uh, so that I could live the same life. He began, that, he began his ministry. Uh, you know, and he ministered to the Jews primarily. That, that was his role was to fulfill all of the old covenant and then to redeem mankind. And, but he did it anointed of the Spirit of God. And he did it as an example for us what we're to do, how we're, um, how we're to live. So Jesus, when he came, he, um, he gave a commandment. Wait, is that funny? Oh. In Acts chapter 1, we see, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So again, we talked about that a little earlier. Sometimes we, uh, sometimes we will just teach, and sometimes we will get the impression that all we're going to do is just learn through teaching, uh, lecture style, or uh, maybe you know, with Pastor Mark, uh, comedy lecture style. Uh, I wish I was as good at jokes, you know. But Jesus began both to do and to teach. So the Christian life is not a life of uh, philosophical seminars, of um, <laughs> it's funny, you want to say things but you don't want people to take it the wrong way, um, of, a, of a self-help seminar or uh, a teaching of how to have your best business, you know, best business decisions or best family decisions. Jesus didn't come just with a teaching. Okay, I kind of am like a little bit of an engineer mindset, you know? My wife, we found these jokes, and she's telling these jokes about engineers and stuff like that, and I was telling her those, and she just loved them, loved them, loved them. 
One of them was like, um, you know, the optimist says that the glass is half full, and the pessimist says that the glass is half empty, and the engineer says that the glass is twice as big as it really should be. So, I won't go into the rest of them because it's not like a joke session, but the, uh, the point is, sometimes people will go to school uh, for engineering or other technical skills or really any skills. When I was first out of the military, I worked a job in Tulsa, Oklahoma in IT, and I was a system administrator for Unix. Well... I hadn't been professionally trained to be a system administrator for Unix. I actually stayed up uh, while I was working, and I would take extra time after some of my shifts, and then if we were working a midnight shift in the military and had extra time, I would go hang out with the IT guys, the system administrators, and start to learn a few things and mess around and do all this type of stuff. Then the Lord really uh, gave me favor, and I was able to get hired on at uh, a subdivision of American Airlines and working in that profession. So I'm there and I'm doing this stuff and they hire me and I really didn't have a lot of experience in that. And so I ended up doing quite well and um, got, you know, there's normally like rules at a company how often you can get raises and I got double the amount of raises that you were supposed to be allowed to have. And we'd have these college graduates that went to school for this and uh, learned uh, the book knowledge and they'd come and oh my goodness, it was so hard to train these guys. They didn't really know what they were doing, and it seemed like half of them would end up kind of failing out and couldn't do it and that type of thing. And that's not always the case, but uh, it's nice when you can uh, get hands-on training. So Jesus didn't come just teaching us like the college book knowledge without application. He came teaching and doing. Teaching and doing. So, uh, you know, when we look at our Christian life and our relationship with the Lord, if we ever find that it's all like listening to um, audio, watching video, and um, sitting in church services and meetings, and there's not doing, that should be an indication to us we're not actually living the Christian life. It doesn't necessarily mean, um, of course, it doesn't mean that you're not born again, uh, it's, there's always potential for that, but um, it doesn't, I'm not saying that in such a way like because you're not doing things, you're not born again. I'm saying like, you know, you have to receive Jesus Christ to be born again. You can be in a church for years and years and years and listen to the word of God and, you know, the best preaching in the world, the best preacher in the world. So, of course, Anchor Church, no, I'm kidding. Um, but you could be... Uh, under what you would consider, or even people that you love and respect would consider some of the best Bible teachers of the day and not be born again. You must be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus. So you can't just say, oh, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. You have to be born again, born from above, uh, recreated on the inside. You must be born again. And, uh, but if we ever find ourselves realizing, you know what, I haven't really told anybody about Jesus or I haven't prayed for anybody or I haven't gone and done anything outside of just listening to the word, that's an indication to us like we're not living the abundant life because Jesus had the life of God in him and he let that life dominate him so much 
that he didn't do what he wanted to do. He did what God wanted him to do. And sometimes you can get in fear with that and like, oh, what's going to happen? Is the Lord going to send me to Africa or what's going to happen? But there's no real reason to be uh, in fear. Just be in faith. Because the Lord uh, will use you. And like I said before, the best place to start is your own testimony. So your salvation experience, being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, maybe even other testimonies that happen in your life. But everything goes back to, you know, I was this way. Now look what happened. And it's not because of anything I did. It's all because of Jesus. I was talking to somebody. I'll close out with this. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago who's not born again. And um, they're asking some questions uh, you know, about our church and kind of what we taught and what we believed. And, you know, I was relating to him. I said, you know, we're in a really fun series right now. I said, but the biggest thing is Christianity is not just some um, methodology or some routine or some religion. We believe that it's a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship where you talk to him and he talks to you. You, you come in contact with God. It's not just a set of... Um, uh, beliefs and rules, but it's an actual relationship. And, you know, it's different than other religions and it affects every part of our life. So in this series that we've been doing, I really want us to continually look at, like, is what I'm doing just a formality? And maybe that's the wrong word. Is it just a routine? Is it just a club? Uh, and realize Christianity is so much more than that. Many times what we see by the label of Christianity isn't a lot more than that. But real Christianity is more than that. And we want people uh, not to experience Anchor Church or Pastor Tim or anybody else that you can think of. We want people to come to Jesus Christ and to experience the life of Jesus Christ and the nature of Jesus Christ because ain't nobody loved you like Jesus. <laughs> nobody can do you like Jesus does you. There's no um, celebrity or friend or spouse that can do for you what Jesus will do for you and if you're born again has done for you and the life that he gives. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Just uh, reflect for a moment on your life and where you're at, what you're doing, what the Lord uh, is trusting you to accomplish and trusting you to do, what the Lord's put on your heart, your passions. You know, the Lord puts desires in all of our hearts. He really just wants us to respond to him. Heavenly Father, we, oh, we love you so much. We love your word. We're so thankful for your word that you've given us. We thank you that your word gives us life.
and light and sets us apart, Father. Thank you that we don't have to be under the power of the devil, but that you have uh, put us on a different plane, that you've actually um, put us right next to you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that you have put us far above any power that the devil would have or that uh, principalities would have, uh, dominions. Father, we just pray uh, for each and every one of us that you would give us a spirit, your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the eyes of our understanding being flooded with light, filled with light, that we may know what's the hope of our calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. Father, we pray that uh, each one of us wouldn't forget what we've heard from your word, but uh, that we would remember and put it into practice. Father, we thank you that faith is not uh, just a formula. Faith is not just um, uh, a collection of knowledge, but that faith is what we do. Faith is acting on your word. So, Father, we pray that you'll um, give us opportunities this week. We thank you that we have lots of opportunities normally to act on your word. And, Father, we just ask for opportunities to um, share your gospel with people that maybe haven't heard or people that have heard and been um, uh, beaten and battered by uh, circumstances of life. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one of us, each and every person uh, listening. We thank you that the blood of Jesus prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive us. It's our divine covering and protection against all of his fiery darts, that it's full of life. In fact, it's so full of life, it perfects everything that concerns us, reconciling everything in us to your perfect will every day and in every way. We thank you that your joy is our strength. We thank you for um, this day that you have made, this day of salvation. We rejoice and we're glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen.